Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Welcome back, everyone, to ADHD is over, a new episode. Today's episode, I decided to call American Tragedy. So I recently, uh, through a friend, heard about the documentary of such title on uh, Amazon Prime, currently Amazon Video. It is a documentary that examines the psychological, perhaps, profiles, or at least, you know, attempts to examine and find patterns of school shooters. And um, one such family or parents in the documentary, uh, Sue Klebold, if I'm saying it right, Sue and Tom, who had uh, Dylan, their son, who was one of the Columbine shooters. And really... What's happening is that I decided to not watch the documentary for a while. I had seen a TED Talk that Sue gave, and I'll share with you my impressions of that TED Talk and then what had me watch the documentary. But first, a special thanks to our supportive partner, Boku Superfood. BokuSuperfood.com is an awesome portal, the world's best superfood powders. Uh, these guys really deliver uh, nutrient-dense organic superfoods, and this is for everyone, not just for athletes. You know, it doesn't matter what energy you may need to be on your A-game, get your daily dose of the world's most nutrient-dense plant-based superfoods. Boku is the place to go. Um, let me know if you're interested. Um, we're about to uh, launch this collaboration together, and I'll get you guys uh a discount for ADHDs over listeners. Go to bokusuperfood.com. Boku's B-O-K-U, superfood.com. Check it out. I will leave a link in the show notes as always. Now, I had seen Sue Klebold's TED Talk a while back where she basically, you know, walks the audience through what it feels like to be the mother of a school shooter. Um, Dylan had taken his own life after the Columbine shooting. So obviously she no longer has her son in her life. And it's just her talking about, you know, perhaps that uh, if we sum that up, it's, it's not much different from the film. I don't want to, uh, spoil it for you guys. If you haven't seen the film, if you're interested in psychology, sociology, those kind of things, uh, obviously a good film to watch. I think they did a pretty decent job at, at telling the story some of the reenactments and graphics and stuff uh, you're not going to be bored uh, it's, a, it's a good good insight into uh, perhaps an, an, an older a more aged topic it's been a while um, but anyway why am I making uh, why am I doing a podcast here called American Tragedy inspired by the documentary when this is a podcast about ADHD well two things uh this story has in common. First of all, uh, mental disorders. 
you know, it's brought up mental health, mental wellness is, is a big part of this film. Um, and then also, this perhaps is more subliminal for me, or subconscious of what I picked up. It's again, the struggle that we parents, us parents have, trying to raise what we call good people, people who would never commit such atrocities, right? So the whole film basically questions, is just loving your children enough? Is, um, you know, are we perhaps once in a while in the presence of a monster and we just don't know it and it's going to happen no matter what? That was the premise in a nutshell. Love's not enough, right, to raise good people is what they claim. And in Sue Klebold's case and many other parents that are featured, um, you know, the, the sort of uh, prevailing... Uh, sense is that they all feel like I had no idea, that they had no idea, didn't see it coming, nothing they thought they could do or didn't know what to do back then, which is fair, right? We do the best we can every moment in our lives. So that could almost be another podcast, which we'll get into soon. Um, but the reason why I wanted to do an episode on this is because, look, if you're listening to this as a parent of a child that has been diagnosed with ADHD, or perhaps you suspect that your child might have ADHD or some uh, de developmental disorder, as they call them, or developmental challenge, as I'd like to call it, or perhaps even friction between the child and the environment, right? If you're that kind of parent, uh, this, I think, will still be interesting for you, even though this episode isn't perhaps going to be diving too much into the ADHD aspect of this story. And there's a small aspect, which I'll get into later. So why am I making this episode? Why did I feel inspired? Well, first of all, I completely disagree with the uh, premise, or should I say the claim that one is left with at the end. It's not perhaps an isolated claim of love is not enough and these parents had no idea and, you know, sometimes you just have a bad uh, kid and you just, there's nothing you can do, right? It's not an isolated premise per se because they did talk a lot about the importance of mindfulness, mental health, uh, prevention. So I definitely uh, applaud that part of the film. But the main premise I do not agree with. And what is that? What does that mean? Roman, tell us. What do you not agree with and how come? Well, first of all, there were moments, and again, this goes for any of you listeners that are interested in really creating healthy human beings, shaping, guiding uh, good people, right? People with a conscious, uh, conscientious uh, way of being with empathy, with love, um, with the community spirit, inspired, perhaps even leaders, right? But let's not go that far. Let's just say we're creating healthy human beings that would never commit atrocities of that magnitude. That's perhaps an unspoken commitment all of us parents have, right? So what I do not agree with is when parents say, I had no idea and I did love my child, and I did everything I could, I do believe that we got to look deeper. And I just want to have a major disclaimer here. This is not to blame parents at all, or to blame Sue, or parents of school shooters, and so forth. Look, they went through what they went through, 
it's obviously a psychologically challenging, horrific time for any parent to have to go through that. So I just want to extend my condolence, condolences uh, to these parents and obviously rest in peace for anyone who's departed this planet, uh, whether it was violent or not violent. I just want to be clear that I'm not here to bag on the filmmakers for the kind of film they made or on the people in the film for not being quote unquote good enough parents. That's not the point. Although it's part of my point because we really got to split the atom here. We're splitting hairs here. And this is very important. And I think that's the core. That's what inspired me to do this podcast. We have all heard the term mostly coming from pharmaceutical spokespeople on television. I've seen it and heard it so often, so many times, where a parent feels frustrated, perhaps looks guilty, beating themselves up, and the representative of pharma or the psychiatrist or the psychologist or the host of a TV show says, you know, dear mom, dear dad, don't worry. It's not due to bad parenting. There's nothing you can do. It's a disorder, right? In the case of ADHD. Now, when I hear that, I cringe because perhaps I can agree with, yes, it's not due to bad parenting, but we, we would have to split that atom first. What does that mean, bad parenting? What is bad parenting, right? As you can see, this would be an entirely, uh, this is an entire new episode of just going into that. And, and I, I will do that at some point because it comes up again and again. But for right now, I just want you to know that, you know, when, when, I, when I hear it's not due to bad parenting, I can't even say yes or no, because again, I don't know the context of what that means for that person. What I do know is that the, the nut we have to crack is called being responsible. Not, as a, not only as a parent, but as a human being, period, right? But that's a bigger, that's a bitter, bigger discussion. But as parents, it is no longer enough to say, well, I'm not a bad parent. The question we have to ask, am I a fully responsible parent? Now, I've done episodes on responsibility, um, you know, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, although it is a huge part of why I wanted to make this episode. What was lacking for me in this film is perhaps not so much the individual's or even society's uh, lack of taking responsibility. It's perhaps an impossible feat. I don't know. Um, I, I know it's doable. I know as a society, as, as, as people, as human beings, as a planet, we can be responsible fully, always. Now, that's a high goal, right? But it's one to, to, to reach for, one to aim at, for sure, because I know the benefits of it. And I'll get into some of those examples. But for right now, I just want to say that it is possible. And if we really want to be responsible as parents, for our children, for our families, right? We got to start in the home. It, there's no point of blaming the system. You know, so often, like in this documentary, I hear the system is failing us. The government's not providing mental health care. The schools are not blah, 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 blah. Let me just stop right there and say, that is actually a perfect example of not wanting to be responsible. Once we start blaming any outside source, 
such as school, such as the government, such as my neighbor, such as my ex-husband. Once we start blaming any outside source, we are not, we have stopped being responsible in that moment. And I know that's a mouthful and it's really hard to, you know, to wrap our heads around it because as human beings, we're programmed to go to blame, shame, or guilt. And that's what has us then go, hey, fuck off. I'm not a bad parent. I do love my child. I did everything I could. Fuck off, right? Also a sign of not being responsible. Because when we come from full responsibility, there's no need to get angry, triggered, or to blame ourselves or to be feeling guilty about something. No. Responsibility simply is the ability to respond to any situation in life coming from strength, power, ease, not triggered emotionally, right? That's the difference. Because anytime we come from, you know, don't fucking, don't fucking tell me I'm doing a bad job raising my child, that's not being responsible for what's in front of you. It doesn't matter what's in front of you. It could be... Um, a child who has ADHD, it could be a child who's acting up, you know, acting out in public, it could be uh, a child who, it doesn't matter. Even you can take it as far as like, well, if somebody says, well, what if I have a Down syndrome child? That's right. You can still be fully responsible that you have a Down syndrome child. Does not mean that you are to blame or it's your fault. That's different. Blame and, 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 you know, pointing out it is someone's fault has nothing to do with being responsible. When someone says, you know what, I'm responsible for what happened here. Let me do X, Y, Z. That's being responsible in response to something that happened. You're powerfully choosing to either remedy or to react all of that without being triggered emotionally. Now, that's a mouthful. And that's certainly something that we could aim at and strive for in life. And I know it's a very hard thing to do. I still get triggered. My wife gets triggered. We get triggered with each other. Our kids trigger us and so forth. But that's the whole point. That's exactly what I'm talking about. These transgenerational hand-me-down triggers that our parents have passed on to us and their parents have passed on to them. And you've heard me say this over and over and again, and I'll probably say this over and over and again, because that is the flow we need to interrupt. That transgenerational hand-me-down parenting patterns, triggers, whatever you want to call them, we need to stop. We need to put an end to it and stop blaming external sources such as the government and the school didn't give my child the IED and I had to fight and this is the system is broken and there's no mental health and we they should have known and why did no one tell me? All of that is not being fully responsible. And so I'm just going to go back to the film for a minute. And one of the, again, I'm not blaming this mother in this instance, uh, Sue, uh, for doing something wrong. This is more of an observation, not as a filmmaker, because I'm a filmmaker. I could have watched this film as a filmmaker watching a documentary and commenting on it. I really, I really watched the film more as a, as a, you know, I, I'm sort of an armchair psychologist, sociologist, because as a filmmaker, you know, you have to be both. Uh, all three of them, and I don't have a degree in it, I don't claim to, but I have a lot of common sense around it, and uh, if you ever agree, disagree with something that I say, please send me an email, let's chat. I am open to learn and grow from. Um, so let's go back to Sue. 
at some point, uh, they were talking about how she had no idea this was happening because her son was making bombs in the garage. He had guns in the house. The, him and his friend had done videos with guns. And, you know, there was enough evidence later for her to go, oh, my God, I had no idea that my son was up to any of that. And then he was, you know, uh, uh, you could say mentally he was not disturbed but he was really challenged he was talking about suicide he was talking about being bullied and so forth you know later from his journals is what what emerged but she said she had no idea and then she said because my 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 sort of uh radar went off and go well what do you mean you had no idea these are some intense energetic frequencies surrounding your family and your house right? When we're talking about bombs, guns, uh, suicide, uh, bullying, those are, I mean, we're, we're energetic beings. We all vibrate at certain frequencies and to not feel anything or not know anything or have no idea that any of that was happening, you'd have to be living inside of a box, an invisible box as a parent that you have created and that has you know, almost like actual walls that allow you not to see what's going on outside or not to let in what your child is actually, even if, if not actively, but subconsciously throwing at you. What do I mean by that? Well, she then went on to say, um, you know, first she said, I had no idea. And then she said, well, I, I, I would ask him often, like, are you okay? And I would, you know, try to get him to talk. And to me, that was an indicator. Because as a parent going through raising two boys right now, they had two boys as well, I realized that kids, when they don't feel safe or they don't feel understood, when you've created an image of yourself as a parent that is not safe for them to come to and talk about something, right, an issue or whatever it is, when you become that unsafe space, they will never open up on their own. And to ask them, please talk to me or tell me what's wrong, will absolutely not crack that nut. They will not, you, we will, you will not get through to your child if your child is struggling with something. If you have not worked on yourself becoming a safer space for your child so that they can come to you and say, oh, I got an issue, I got to go to mom and dad. What do I mean by that? Well. You know, as parents, we judge our children constantly. I just want you to take a break for a moment here and really reflect, right? As a parent, we love our children. And I'll get into that because the other thing that, that she kept saying is, you know, I, and, and other parents as well in the film, like, but I loved my, my child and I gave him all the love. And so we'll get into that, right? But we all love our children innately as parents, as human beings who've given birth, unless we're somewhat psychologically deranged and we've had a lot of trauma and, and so forth and, and we struggle with loving our, our kids. But underneath of that is still an innate parental love for our children. So we love our children. Now, the problem is that we want them to turn out so bad, so badly. We want them to turn out, be good people, be successful, have a job, get married, have kids, be very healthy, successful, and all that jazz, right, before we die, so we can die 
peacefully, which by the way is a self selfish act of wanting that for us. But that's a whole nother episode. And I don't necessarily look at the word selfish as a bad thing, but it is a selfish thing to say, when I die, I want to die at peace knowing my children turned out because we love them, right? The flip side of that so-called love as parents, the flip side is that we judge them constantly. We go, you're not doing a good job with your homework. You're not walking upright. You're not wearing a sweater. You're not eating enough vegetables. I mean, fill in the blanks, right? The ones I just mentioned all must sound familiar to you. And then there's a thousand more that are sort of more customized and personal to your family, right? But you get the idea. We judge them constantly, 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 constantly. They're being judged. Now imagine on top of the, the regular, the sort of normal quote unquote judgments that a parent would have for their kids to walk up straight, to be polite, to, uh, you know, like I said, eat their vegetables, wear your sweaters and so forth, right? Those, those are the, I'll just call them the normal ones. Now imagine your child has to come out of the closet, is gay, transsexual, or your child uh, did something really bad uh, uh, at school and is hiding it. And let's just say there's additional challenging uh, moments where your child needs to or should or wants to come to you first because you're the parent. But because when we become so judgmental, we create an unsafe space. And what child wants to come into that space and say, well, I'm already being judged 100 times a day. By the way, mom and dad, I'm also gay. Uh, so go ahead and judge me for that, right? So I hope you're starting to see a pattern here is how safe a child feels coming to you as the parent, revealing something that's very important to them or very challenging, right? That's directly related to how we are being with our children and they actually do come with something challenging, when they actually do fall on the ground, when they do make a mistake. It's usually when they make a mistake where they pay extra attention to how we react. That's what really goes into their mental notebook as, aha, I just did something wrong and dad yelled at me and he took away my video game and he didn't talk to me for two days. Hmm. And you add, you know, you add a few of those and suddenly the child goes, I don't really want to ever tell dad anything that I did wrong because he's going to flip out. And now you've created that, what I called earlier, this sort of invisible box or walls you've put around yourself as a parent. And now your child does not feel safe coming to you when she or he needs to really have someone there to listen to them and not just to listen to them, but not to give advice and therefore to actually accept them in that moment for who they are and who they are not. And I know I've talked about this before. You know, when children come to us and they want to talk to us about something really, really, really important, then they need to feel safe. They need to feel like they can come and they can what I call, you know, they can sort of vomit into this empty bucket. Imagine you parents holding a big bucket. They vomit into the bucket and you just go, I got it. Wow, you're really dealing with this and this is really hard for you and you're really struggling. You know, you just basically recreate them. 
you have them get that you get them, that you get that this must be really hard. You don't try to fix it. You don't try to, well, I told you, honey, see, I told you, I, I've told you this before. You know, you don't do any of that like parenting. I'm the authority and I need to tell you. That's when they need to be heard. And so my assumption of this documentary, this American tragedy, where this all left off, first of all, I believe that what wasn't addressed is parents being responsible for the spaces they've created inside of their families. Because I'm a huge believer that when parents truly create a space where children feel safe, heard, accepted, not judged, fully accepted for who they are and what's going on in that moment, that they will stay connected to the parents. They will not let their peers, because often peers influence our children, right? Other peers, meaning in this case, some of these school shooters had accomplices. They were friends. Uh, in, in Dylan Klebold's case, um, his friend Eric was on antidepressants, was dealing with stuff. Uh, this has later been researched, and Peter Bregan, who's a big uh, anti, uh, you know, uh, uh, drug kind of guy, uh, basically said, "Look, this kid was was dealing with stuff, and it was intense, and the drugs intensified it." And so, you know, we don't need to go into details here, but my point is that the peers that our children then will turn to away from us as parents, because we're no longer a safe space. Their peers, their friends will go, hey, man, I get your pain. I got the same thing. They will feel understood, heard, seen. And if they don't get that at home, they will keep that part of themselves from the home, from the parents. Hence, a parent later will say, I had no idea. I didn't see this coming. I didn't know this was going on. Well, that's right. Because your child was keeping it from you. Not because he's a bad apple, he's a psychotic lunatic, he's a monster that you just happen to have raised in your family. I do not believe that. I believe that it is our responsibility as parents. When our children do not come to us during difficult moments, that's on us. That is not on them. That's on us. It is our job as parents to create that safe space that our children can come to us with anything. I don't care if they come to us saying they're gay, transsexual, they just crashed your car, they lied, they stole something at school, somebody broke up with them, they got bullied, they're embarrassed, they peed in their bed. I don't give a fuck what they need to say. We need to let them say it and we need to stop judging them. We need to stop being there and lecturing them like some authority on a horse. We need to listen to them. We need to recreate them and have them get that we get them and just be there for them. That's our job, period. Anything else is bullshit. Anything else of discipline and authoritarian and parents and I know better and you need to turn out this way and you need to have this career and you shouldn't be gay and all that bullshit, I'm going to say it right now to you, stop it. And when I say it to you, I say it to myself. That is something my wife and I committed to 
and we're not perfect. We're still struggling with it. It happens a lot that we're still getting triggered. Look, we're human. We're in this with you. But all of us, we have to stop it now and forever. That is the only way we're going to start avoiding those kind of atrocities. And we're not going to sit there and go, oh, well, with mental health and a lot of kids are committing suicide and the system's failing them and, and we should have, you know, pharma shouldn't have these medications and there should be no guns available. We need to stop blaming external circumstances and entities and be responsible for what is in front of our faces, which are our children and the things they're dealing with. And here comes the kicker, and you've heard me say this before if you've listened to other podcast episodes. We as parents need to heal our shit. I'll say it again. We need to heal our shit as parents because our children are not the problem. They are not the problem. Our transgenerational hand-me-down parenting patterns, the triggers that are not even ours, that needs to be interrupted by parents, by us owning our shit, healing our shit, being responsible as parents. I apologize for the heat and the, the anger, perhaps, or resentment, and I call it passion that comes through here when I, when I share this, but when I watch a documentary that is so public, that can be viewed now by the entire world, and we end, and this is not, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming the filmmakers, I'm not blaming the parents. It's a social, it's a social statement that I'd like to make here, is that we're completely missing the point. The documentary actually pointed at some of that very well, I will say. And I am inspired by you know, m making our documentary inspired by this film, because one thing that we need to start pointing at again and again and again and again is that we do not know how to parent. We do not r know how to raise healthy children. How do I know? Well, look at the statistics. That's all we got to do. Look at the suicide. Look at the mental disorders. Look at obesity. Look, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. We do not need more proof. We don't know how to raise healthy children. How do we remedy that? Well, we have to get conscious parenting classes into school classrooms. We have to stop idolizing, you know, academics and the Ivy League track. We have to start idolizing emotional intelligence, mental, not even mental health. I hate that term. But just being able to navigate our own mind, our emotions, realizing our triggers, all these things. Yes, you can call it mindfulness and let's do yoga and breathing. But you know what? If kids get some of that at school, but then they go home and then they're left to parents that are not willing to work on their own, are not willing to transform and heal their own traumas, right? Heal their shit. Then it's going to help, but it's not going to make the difference. The difference is made when parents finally realize that we have been treating our children like jerks. We're jerks with our kids. Let's face it. Because anytime we talk to our kids, imagine talking to your friend or a neighbor the way you talk to your kids. 
They would be like, fuck you, man. We often call our kids names. We blackmail them, gaslight them. We, we call them, we, we put them down, you know? And I've, I'm guilty of that myself, my wife and I. We, we, we still sometimes catch ourselves saying something and look at each other. We're like, let's not say that. That's, that's really mean. I mean, really start looking in your own life, in your own language when you speak to your children. We're jerks. We treat them like little idiots, like little, you know, I don't know, little idiots comes to mind, little, little jerks, whatever, you know, we call them names, we, we put them down, we make them feel insecure, like, you know, it, it's everywhere. We have to catch ourselves doing that. And again, this is not for us to blame ourselves. Again, somebody could say, oh, well, are you saying it's bad parenting? No, uh-uh. Because that is really left up to interpretation. What does bad mean? What does bad parenting mean to you? What I, what I am saying is that we can be more responsible in our parenting. We can be more responsible in cleaning up our own messes and then our transgenerational lineage, you know, we can change that. When we stop that transgenerational hand-me-down, those parenting triggers, parenting strategies, those patterns, when we stop that, we actually stopped it for our lineage. Pretty cool, right? Because the buck stops here. It's done. It's over. Stops with me. That kind of language, right? So let's look at, for a moment, I said earlier, we're going to look at a little bit just the context of bad parenting. You know, that's even, that's so hard to define because when someone says, well, no, don't worry, it's not bad parenting. What are you saying? You're saying... I think what I hear pharma or mostly pharma and psychologists, psychiatrists, when they say that to parents, I think what they're actually saying is, don't worry, it's not you, it's them. And that's what I have a huge problem with, because that's bullshit. When we say to a parent, don't worry, it's not bad parenting, your child has a disorder, they are broken, it's not you, it's nothing you can do. Right? And then pharma, in this case, stuffs more lies down that stocking, which is, oh, it's genetic. Oh, it's a neurochemical imbalance. Oh, there's nothing, you know, you got it for life. Oh, medication is the only effective. You know, I could go on. There's about 10 of those. It's all bullshit. Why is it bullshit? Because it's all been debunked by studies that... Um, experts like Russell Barkley and co and company cherry pick so that their studies, their life's work and their connections to their pharma partners, you know, that whole gang so that their lives aren't disrupted, that their industry doesn't suffer losses. That's really all because again, you can go re-listen some of the podcasts that, that I've had with experts that clearly talk about it's not genetic. It's not neurochemical imbalance, you know? Um, the, the, I don't want to go into it right now, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's the same people that say, don't worry, it's not bad parenting. That's making the child the problem. That's creating irresponsible parents. Now, not irresponsible the way you hear it, we hear it in society, right? But more like those are now parents that have given up any kind of responsibility, meaning the ability to respond to their child's symptoms, what I call warning signs, 
the check engine light in the family, those parents have now given up that responsibility because they're like, oh, good. It's not me. And, and they say, there's nothing I can do. So must be my child. Okay, now external source, tell me what to do with my child. Do you see how that works? And while I could go on and on and on and on, I don't want to get lost in this. I want to go back to American tragedy because again, I'm a huge believer that we are barely scratching the surface of how not responsible we've created parents and parenting to be in our society. We know it's important. We know parents always say, but I loved my son. I gave him everything. And, you know, in the case of a lot of these school shooters, I claim, and I will never be able to prove this, if I would get to be a fly on the wall in all of those families during the most important developmental years or family, you know, childhood years of those school shooters, I'm pretty convinced, intuitively convinced, that we would see a lot of judgment in those families towards their kids, that we would see a lot of parental trauma spill over onto their kids, potentially verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, lack of nurturing, lots of judgment, not having a safe space, and so forth. To me, those are the true causes of why these kids could commit such atrocities and, and their parents are saying, we had no idea. To me, that is the only way to explain that. The other way, which the film was hinting towards and some of the critics as well, the only other way would be to say, well, it's really the bad apples, the monsters that uh, grew up in our families that we had no idea they were monsters. Well, that's the only other way, and that's the not being responsible for it kind of way. Now, which way do you think is more powerful? Because in the end, I can't prove to you that, that my claim is true or that if those parents had been, you know, or the fact that they're not responsible is what caused these kids to commit these atrocities. I can't prove that. But if you just look at the two, right, where's, where's the power? Which one has more power? The one where we're being responsible and we're actually realizing that, oh, I see. I see why this happened. Okay. Okay. Let me look at why it wasn't a safe space. Let me look at, you know, let's really talk about everything that was going on in our family from my husband's uh, alcoholic or, or alcohol issues to the trauma, to our intimacy issues, to our disconnectedness, our lack of nurture, uh, the physical abuse, the yelling, the divorce, you know, you name it. There's so many things, so many factors. When we can start owning that shit and really really become responsible around it, that's when I believe we're going to start seeing these kind of events disappear. It's going to take some time. You know, this country, United States, has a lot, a lot of work to do because for centuries, for, for generations, we've just sort of taken over the same, the same parenting patterns that our parents handed us. And unfortunately, we're now realizing that it's really fucked up our, our world, our society, and we need to do something about it. And medication isn't the answer. 
more disorders that we can create in the DSM is not the answer. Blaming our children for being the problem certainly is not the answer. Blaming the school system is not the answer. Sure, the school, the school system, education needs a reform, absolutely. Blaming the government for not having services for everyone is also not the answer. It's the government. It's made up of politicians that you know need to make sure a lot of the money goes to uh, the war machine or fixing streets or you know uh, political events, who knows what. But look, we can't keep blaming them hasn't worked so the government isn't you know reforming the government isn't really the solution sure it will help we need to do it but then what is well it's up to us the parents we got to be responsible it's up to all of us individually in our own families to stop the transgenerational hand-me-down parenting patterns and traumas to clean that shit up to own the stuff we've done to our children, to own what's happened in our families from all the abuse and the divorces and, 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 and you know, we got to just own it, put it to bed, put it behind us by owning it, not swiping it under the rug and then standing on top of the rug and saying, I had no idea that this was even possible in our family. That's bullshit. Bullshit. We all know it. We're just all embarrassed and sh we feel ashamed and we're guilty that we need to cut that out. There's no power in that. We got to step up and be responsible. That's the only way to go. So bringing it back to ADHD, exactly the same thing. Remember, if you have a child with ADHD on your hands, that is, first of all, an extra sensitive child very creative, very powerful, but also can feel quickly insecure when put down or when labeled as, oh, you're special ed and you're the troublemaker and you're the hyper one and you're, you know, the ADHD kid. That can quickly bring insecurity and damage the confidence of a child. And after that, when you don't create safe spaces around it, that same child is going to turn to other things like peers, alcohol, self-medication, and so forth. And it's not due to ADHD. ADHD is made up. Remember, it's a term. It's a label that just merely describes a bunch of symptoms that are really cries for help, that are really just like a check engine light saying there's something not functioning here. There's too much friction between me and my parents or me and school or me and our environment, right? So it's not the ADHD that will get a child there, but it's the lack of support. It's the constant judgment. It's the, the not feeling safe in the family, not having a safe space to come to, to cry, to express, to unfold. That's what our children want. They want to feel safe, not just physically safe, just because you have an alarm system in your house and you have a fence around your house and a dog you know, that's one safety, but that's not what, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about feeling safe, like they can just be themselves in front of you, the parent. They can, they can be seen, right? They can just unload the way they are. It's so hard. Trust me, I know. I'm saying this like I do this for my kids all the time. No, my wife and I are still learning. We're students of life. It's not easy, but we got to start doing it. We have to start doing it. We got to start seeing it in media. We got to start seeing it in documentaries. I'm committed. We talk about this 
until the cows come home. Responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. Healing our shit, healing our shit, healing our shit, you know. Recognizing trauma, processing it, healing it. Stopping the transgenerational hand-me-down parenting patterns now, right? We got to keep talking about it. It's the only way out. So please join me when I say let's create responsible parents in every family that will stop the nonsense that's been going on because we have literally wrecked millions of children's lives. We have labeled them as the problem. We have outcast them as the disordered ones. We have medicated them, sedated them to no longer truly be themselves, but to become robots that can academically perform so that they please our vision of what we have in mind for their lives, AKA selfish and outdated. We got to cut that out. They have their own lives ahead of them. They have their own intuitive direction, their compass that tells them, this is who I'm going to be in life. And the only way for them to get there is if we let them unfold and we don't try to force the square peg into the round hole. Enough said, I know. Thank you uh, for your time and attention for letting me express this about American Tragedy, a documentary that I would say check it out if you're into psychological, sociological documentaries around um, these children, these school shooters, very interesting documentary. But again, I feel that it's missed the, the point, the target that I was hoping it would make. I think it danced around it. And I acknowledge the filmmakers and the parents in it for at least doing the best they could. And now I think it's time for us to step up, to use documentaries or projects like American Tragedy and actually use it as a diving board and jump up higher and go further and push harder. Because, you know, ultimately we stand on the shoulders of giants. I get to now stand on the shoulders of that documentary with my documentary and someone else will come after my documentary and say, ADHD's over, was good, but here's what I'd like to add. It's like, great, go for it. Let's all keep lifting each other up so we can go higher. That's the point. So we can, we can together vibrate at higher frequencies. It feels better. That's what love is. How do we get there? by being responsible, whenever there's love that's missing, we are the ones we get to put it back in. We don't get to blame anyone or anything else anymore. Thank you for listening. This was another episode of ADHD's Over. We're not here to give tips. We're here to basically shift perspectives. In our case, around ADHD. Until next time.